let's talk about going viral welcome to the thought bistro podcast with akhil and vishra as we deep dive into a variety of interesting and thought provoking topics join us as we explore the world of ideas and broaden our collective horizon so in the world that we are in today everyone wants to go viral and in that attempt we too as a new podcast would love to go viral so we thought why not do something that helps us helps you all of us understand this concept of going viral so we thought why not do a book review so we've decided today to do the tipping point by malcolm gladwell and it talks about how things you know reach a certain tipping point where which makes them then go viral around the world and how you can get to that tipping point i i think it has been a very good uh, read the process of something going from absolutely nothing to absolutely a phenomenon in the world is amazing and the easiest example we have of how virals work as everybody is very well versed with the covid that is going on for around 2 years now <laughs> that is one of the first examples that uh, is spoken about in the book how how a virus spreads and honestly with the past 3 years and the way it's been that was one of the last things i wanted to read but then it did get more interesting than that <laughs> the book was written in early 2000s and yet everything just sits right initial stages you know the us president is like no it is not a it is nothing major that is happening in the world and it will not even get to the us it is a small thing that is you know located in china it's never going to get to the world and then suddenly it just takes over our lives yeah and the fact that it takes over our lives brings us to the first concept mentioned in the book it is called the six degrees of separation it says that any person in this planet is only six people away from any other random person on this planet now in order to explain this in the 1960s there was this psychologist called stanley milgram who conducted an experiment he picked 160 people who lived in omaha nebraska in the us and he told them to write their names put it in an envelope and send it to a stockbroker who lived in Sharon Massachusetts which is near Boston now for those of you who are not familiar with the US this is about a 1500 mile distance and this is in the 1960s before the internet before email telephones all of that so you can imagine how hard it would be or how hard you would imagine it would be for something given to you in an envelope to get it posted to another person sitting 1500 miles away and this person you have no idea who they are you've never met them you have just heard a name and you cannot obviously directly send it to them you need it the envelope needs to be given to them by someone they know so how the experiment worked is that these people who got these packets were instructed to write their names and send it to the next person and it would be based on a belief system so the belief would be oh i think that this person might get it to them for example let's say today you want to reach warren buffett right you would think of getting it to some kind of a stockbroker or somebody who might know a stockbroker who might know somebody in berkshire hathaway who might actually get it to warren buffett right so similarly the experiment was done in a way that you will get this packet you will write your name on it and you will send it to the next person you think might be closer to the end goal so most people managed to do this in about 5 or 6 steps that is where this concept of 6 degrees of separation came about 
I saw this one episode on this cartoon. It's called Doraemon. And on Doraemon, they explored this concept where the lead of the lead character Nobita wanted to get to some rock star. And they just go from person to person asking them that, hey, you know, can you connect me to this rock star? I really need an autograph for my girlfriend. And at the end of the day, again, you know, they explode six degrees of separation. And that is, you know, a funny coincidence that comes to mind. So this was the first concept that it speaks about, you know, how you are just a mere six people away from anyone on this planet. Can you even imagine thinking about that? We're a planet of eight billion people. And if you just you know, go through your social calendar, I don't think we would find more than say 40 or 50 people who come at the top of our heads. For some people, it may be more. I think exploring this topic has a huge personal greed agenda that we have. Oh, majorly. We want we want all of you to share this with your quote-unquote six degrees of separation. You know, let's get this podcast to the president of United States and let's see who can get it there. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be? Interestingly enough, the experiment doesn't actually focus on the sixth person in the chain. It, instead, it focuses on the person before him. Instead of focusing on the stockbroker at the end, the experiment actually focuses on the second to last step. Interestingly enough, the second to last step was the same person for a lot of the senders. And that comes to an interesting conclusion that that particular person is connected to so many different circles with so many different people. And that's the person we are focused on. That person in the language of Gladwell is known as the connector. Now, who are these connectors? These connectors are people who have long social lists and they're not close to everyone. They are the people who define the term acquaintance. Now, when you and I think of acquaintance, we think of someone who we met once somewhere, who we have no connection with, who we've not kept up appearances with, because we're like, oh my God, not another person to greet and, you know, to make small talk with. But these are the people who enjoy that. They will actively seek out people to make acquaintances with and keep up appearances. They will send you that birthday card, you know, you have that one person who you speak to only once a year on your birthday when they send you a message. These are the people we're looking for. I, I love these people, man. You know, in your WhatsApp messages, sometimes you have a happy new year from somebody and then the next year you have a happy new year from the same person and then the next year you have a happy new year. You won't even speak to them for the rest of the year and they will make sure that, you know, a happy new year with a very personalized name at the end of it. They have, I mean, a happy new year, a happy birthday. A happy anniversary. I mean, there's so many of these people whom I know and I find it tedious, honestly. I, To me, if this happened maybe more than once or twice that I only spoke to someone on their birthday or on New Year's, I would probably stop talking to them. I'd be like, okay, this person is not, you know, I don't want to keep in touch with this person. I think other than I don't want to keep in touch with this person, just keeping in touch with this person is, it's not the social gratification that we are getting. <laughs> it's, talking to them has not been worth the effort per se. Yeah, I mean, I would feel like it's just you're doing it more out of compulsion than out of, you know, the want to speak to that person, which is why I think both you and I are not the people who Gladwell is referring to as connectors. 
but these connectors enjoy this these connectors thrive on it you know they genuinely want to keep in touch with these people they genuinely want their 2000 people contact lists you know where they know each person by their name they know whose child did what whose wife did what whose husband did what you know i definitely know more than one of this person and i had these people at the top of my head when i was reading this you know it was such a important thing to read for me because it just gave an identification to a certain like you know kind of person for me and i'm sure you had the same where while reading this some this this connector popped into your head and you were like yes i know this person i think talking to us the listeners will have a very similar experience where they'll come through you know oh yeah this people messages this person messages me a lot and this person always keeps in touch with me and that's the one to aim for if you want to make something viral yeah i mean guys think of that person and share us with that person <laughs> the second type of person he talks about is called a maven i think both of us can classify ourselves as mavens gladwell says mavens are those who look to solve other people's problems by solving their own now what does that mean they are the people who will read the classifieds they will read the, the tedious customer handbooks and reviews and things like that information that 95% of people in the world will not read they will go down to the nitty gritties they will go down to the details because not because they want to get something out of it because it genuinely excites them like today you and i akhil are going into so many of these topics and we are getting excited by each and every topic we're getting into you know we spoke about chat gpt it was something that we stumbled upon and the more we read the more we wanted to read then we went from there to a completely different point a completely different circle a completely different field and we had as much fun reading about interest rates as we did chat gpt finally our last our latest episode about christmas you know i did not think there was so much to learn and read about christmas but honestly i had such fun reading all the small nuggets and nuances and you know the the, the minuscule changes and the drastic changes that occurred throughout the world when you talk about christmas and the second part of that puzzle is that when we did read about these all we wanted to do was share them with the world because now we knew something and we genuinely wanted the world to know something as well i have this friend right and i used to buy seltzer water seltzer water is this flavored sparkling water that you find in the market shelves and i used to get this brand called lacroix and this friend of mine is like no no they are all manufactured in the same place do not spend a dollar 50 on lacroix and why don't you spend a dollar and get like the kirkland brand or get you know spend a dollar and get the most generic brand of sparkling water after that he made me do a blind taste test just to confirm that yeah there is no difference like the extent to which that guy went to save me 50 cents on my soda was just phenomenal and these are the mavens that we talk about the people who genuinely want you to save money who genuinely want you to do something out of their knowledge while they have no personal gain in this like the guy is not going to be paid by coplin to and they have gained this knowledge not to share it with you but because they themselves are so interested in the topic that they want to go into the depths and find these these nuances you know the the book talks about this example of coffee where this guy a maven says that he had a he had, his research suggested that coffee was going to shoot up in price so he bought those 3 pound coffee bags for i think it was 2 dollars 65 cents and he remembered the cents of it and the fact that coffee 
at the time of when the interview was taken was selling at around six dollars. So he was so happy making that that small, you know, that small change in his life, that that small amount of money that he saved was so important to him because he genuinely had an interest in it. He genuinely, you know, he wanted to geek out on it. He wanted to be that person who knew the ins and outs. So mavens are these people who find this information. Mavens are you guys listening to our podcast. And then mavens get this podcast. Mavens get the source out to the connectors. And then where does it go from there? I think, you know, if you want to look at it as a very interesting way the book puts it, I think today in the information age that we are, it's going to make a lot of sense. Mavens are like data banks. They have, they store a lot of data. They gather and they store. And connectors are the glue. They are the ones who take the message and spread it. They, they keep everyone together. They, they're the connect, they connect people as the name suggests it. And then there is this third kind of person. So the third piece of this puzzle is called a salesman. And the salesman is responsible for that last bit of push. That last bit after which the thing goes absolutely viral. It causes an epidemic. They are the persuader. So they are the people who can convey emotion the best. They are the people who are emotionally invested in what they're selling. They're the, like, you know, they are those who, when you see them, when you interact with them, you get, you get that vibe. You, know, you, you talk about getting a very positive vibe of a person, their body language, the way they'll speak about something. They're what can be known as emotionally contagious. So the moment you, know, you are emotionally invested in a particular product or a restaurant or a book, you can op- you will you will be more likely to go towards that side so i would say the most important like you know the most common salesmen we meet are news anchors they are giving us news and they are often subtly put- portraying emotion so again the book did a study where they looked at three news anchors from abc nbc and cnbc i think it was or cbs and one of the anchors had a subtle facial bias when when mentioning Republican candidates for presidents. And as the study showed that the people who watched that particular anchor more than the other two were more likely to vote for Republican candidates as compared to people who, di- who didn't watch that anchor. That's a salesman. And this, this was indiscriminate of their personal beliefs of the individual. Yeah, this 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 wasn't concerning whether the person was a Democrat or Republican or, you know, whether he agreed with that candidate or didn't agree with that candidate. But just because they were watching this particular news anchor who was conveying his emotions in such a way and that he was so conta- emotionally contagious that he led people to vote for a particular candidate. So if I want to, if I wanted to summarize these three personalities into one, I'm again going to use something that's mentioned in the book. A connector might tell 10 friends where to stay in Los Angeles and half of them might take his advice. A maven might tell five people where to stay in Los Angeles, but he would make his case in such a way that all five would stay. And a salesman would be that that person who convinces the, the five who weren't convinced by the connector to stay in that particular hotel because he would emotionally convince those people. So one is providing you with the information. One is providing you with the details of the, like, you know, the full detailed description of why you should go and consume that information. And the third, the third is not going into details. It's not going into, oh, this 
hotel is clean it's a this he is appealing to your emotional side he is conveying his emotions about that product or that service that is leading you to consume that so to cause an epidemic what we need are a few salesmen and we need the genius of both some mavens and some connectors and we are there moving on from people what are we giving you to sell what are we giving you to you know spread this is the next part that the book talks about it's known as the stickiness factor now the stickiness factor is the part of the message that is contagious that people remember that sticks in your brain you see stickiness factor can be very well explained with some of these advertisements with these jingles and if they can get the right jingle to get stuck in your brain at the time of purchase you will keep thinking of these jingles and in india there used to be this advertisement of this washing powder and it was called nirma and the the song just keeps going round and round in circles in your brain honestly brother when you mention jingles and this is not something we've spoken about before the first jingle that came into my head was washing powder nirma and they succeeded right tomorrow i go to buy washing powder i don't know anything about washing powders and i'll see nirma and i'll be like yeah this must be a good one i have the jingle in my brain and that is what needs to stick a very good example in the book was about this company that did an advertisement and earlier their advertisement campaigns were not very successful they had very generic advertisement campaigns then this guy comes in he gets the worst slots of advertisement on tv but what he does is he places this golden box and you're supposed to spot the golden box for a prize at the end yeah something like that i mean i think he he urged people to find the golden box in the coupons and people would go and watch his advertisement just for the sake of finding those these golden boxes this led me to an example you know in a, in a very popular children's movie i'm sure all of you might have heard of or watched charlie and the chocolate factory where willy wonka was giving away five golden tickets which allowed the children to come to visit his factory and if you remember snippets from the book or the movie people were buying his chocolates in dozens and dozens and dozens people had you know even the poor who could only save enough for one chocolate wanted to spend that on that one chocolate to get the opportunity to go and visit his factory i think the crux of it is that give out an idea and ask for an action from the other person from the transaction post transaction ask them to do something and, and another very them, good and give them a reason to do that something what is the prize that they're getting definitely and another big example that we have is you know there used to be tazos in inside uh, chips packets and these were collectible items there were these circular bits of hard paper which had pokemon on it i remember at least this was the case in india i don't know uh, where else around the world this was done but i remember kids in school used to buy packets and packets of cheetos and all these chips packets where you could get tazos take out the tazo and give the give the chips they were like guys we do not want to eat this but we just want this tazo so the sales were happening just for that one piece of collectible that was within that packet of chips when we were younger how many times have we gone to a mcdonald's just to have a happy meal even if the burger was not good what you would what why wouldn't you get a happy meal you get the toy 
Even though you can buy the toy on the side, you can go to the shop next to the McDonald's and buy a better toy for the same price. But nah, you will get the happy meal for the sake of getting that toy and a randomized toy out of five. Just, you know, ups the ante. So that's what yeah, we are aiming for. You want to make for. your full collection. You want to make your full collection. So you're, you were getting that happy meal again and again and again so that you can complete your collection as they would call it. So again, McDonald's asked you for a transaction and in return of that transaction, they gave you a gift and you were forced to make the same transaction over and over. That was their sticky factor. Even today, when you think about McDonald's as a child, you always think about the Happy Meal. You do not think about anything else. You don't think how good the burger was. It wasn't. The fries are good though. Yeah, the fries are just, I mean, they're, they're on another level. Nothing like a McDonald's fry, huh? Nothing at all. So the third and the last factor that he talks about in the book is called power of context. And it is how the situation drives our thinking. How the context of an idea drives our thinking. And a good example we have is jeans. So if today you see when you're wearing a jeans, a jeans is an acceptable outdoor wear. A jeans is an acceptable party wear, in fact acceptable outdoor wear dude it is the most common outdoor wear it is the most swanky i mean you know people are going and paying so much for a pair of jeans it's it's stunning that you know jeans were actually something that miners used to wear exactly so jeans were made so that this thick cloth would not tear up at the small scratch of a mine of a stone and despite them being vi visualized in that sense earlier that, oh, this is poor man's clothing. Now everybody wants jeans. Imagine shirts. They are a better example. Shirts were supposed to be undergarments. Shirts are the undergarments to a suit. That's what their development was for in early British rule. And now shirts are the formal wear. Like people think, oh, a collared shirt, I am so formal. No, you're not. You're wearing an undergarment. But the context around the shirt has changed. Yeah, I mean, a button down today is like such a formal thing. You know, you go out for dinner and you're wearing a shirt. But actually, you know, maybe what, two centuries ago, you would be underdressed. You would be in your undergarments. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, look at sneakers, man. Sneakers were meant for running. Sneakers were a thing that were meant for running, athletic sports. Today, sneakers are a fashion statement. Today... The fact that I know a celebrity is doing well is because his or her pair of sneakers is doing well. Someone says something controversial and their sneaker deal gets cancelled. That is the thing you hear about. So again, with respect to sneakers, right? Before Michael Jordan got a deal with Nike and Nike came out with the Jordans, they were the first basketball player named shoes on the market. Before that, everybody used to wear Converse shoes, right? And they were not as popular as you would like to think. But when the context became, oh, these are the shoes of this particular player who you love. The dude was 19, just breaking onto the scene. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, we love Jordan. We love shoes. And I mean, I remember in the last dance, he says it also that the way he was convinced to buy Nikes was because they let him have his own shoe. Exactly. And again, the power of context really, you know, puts things into perspective. One, one of the major examples given about the power of context by the book 
was about the New York subway. So the New York subway used to have a huge crime rate and people used to literally hold out in front of the ticket counter and say, you know, you give me the money, you do not pay the ticket people the money. And despite that, within five years, the crime rate on the New York subway really declined. What happened? How did that happen? How that happened is that the person responsible for the subway decided, I am going to clean the subway. If there is vandalism in the morning, it will be fixed by the night and next day you won't have vandalism anymore. The place will start to look cleaner. Can you imagine the effect of something just looking cleaner? And when the idea was just brought up to the community, they were like, no, 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 we should focus on better things. We should focus on more police force and we should focus on more defense. And this guy is like, no, we are going to clean up the New York subway. And that just worked phenomenally. And can you imagine the crime rate fell by 75%? In the span of five years, the crime rate fell by 75% by just cleaning the answer is the context of the whole situation changed now this is a clean place i cannot be trashy here you know that's what you're telling the people so another interesting example that they talk about which is a very controversial topic but we'll bring it up in the podcast is nature versus nurture and there are conclusive studies about the fact that it is better to be in a good neighborhood and a bad family than be in a bad neighborhood and a good family yeah, I mean, because if you think about it, that if you have a, you know, a bad family and, you know, you had to get out of there, there's always a place to go. If you're in a good neighborhood, you're going to have good influences all the way, all around you. But if it's the other way around, you think about it, there's what, four people in your family, five people, six people at the max. You don't have more than that. And how many people are in your neighborhood? So you think about the effect of, uh, good influences or the ratio of good influences to the bad and you see where in one scenario you have a good family you have maybe three four five good influences around you and a bad neighborhood where you have in you know 30 40 50 bad influences around you and you flip that around what wins out and i think this goes back to the subway example right it is it is back to if it is clean, then people believe it is clean and then people will do clean things. If it is dirty, then people believe it is dirty and people will do dirty things. You might have a friend with you who says, Ki, let's not do it. But then you look around and you're like, everybody's doing it. and Why shouldn't I? Absolutely. I mean, if you see a garbage dump, you're more likely to throw your garbage there than if you see a clean street, you don't want to dirty it, so you're not going to throw your garbage. I think even like if there is stuff thrown next to the garbage, somehow your brain tells you it's okay to maybe throw it next to the garbage bin. Did I miss the garbage bin? It's fine. If it's clean, you miss the garbage bin, you go there, you pick it up and you throw it inside the garbage yep. bin. And yep. that's the context of the location. And to finally summarize the whole science of this virality, according to Malcolm Gladwell, there are these three major factors. The first one is law of the few. The second one is the stickiness factor. And the third one is the power of context. So if I had to put it into layman's terms, it's the people who surround the message, the message in itself, and the circumstances when the message was relayed. Who are, who are the people who are spreading your message? Do you have the right people spreading your message? Second, is your message right? Are the people spreading something that is you know, contagious? That Are people spreading something that is interesting? And the third thing is, 
is that message interesting in its time today if i go and uh, if i go to a clean place and i talk about you know garbage pickup people are not going to be interested because there's already like it's a clean place why do they require garbage pickup they're not going to bother so does all three factors need to come into play for a message to go viral so what needs to happen for our podcast to go viral is the question our podcast is interesting enough i hope it's in the context of spreading more knowledge via internet which again looks like it's in context with everything and we have these lovely people listening to us who are going to share it across the world and you're going to get it to joe biden and we are going to see joe biden here on our channel lovely i think that that just about wraps it up for the day we hope that after listening to this podcast you'll be inspired to get your own copy of the tipping point we leave the links in the description thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show thanks for tuning in to another episode of the thought bistro podcast i hope you enjoyed today's conversation and were able to learn something new if you liked the episode please be sure to subscribe to our show and leave a review on your favorite podcast app you can also follow us on social media our instagram and twitter handles are available in the show notes thanks again for listening and we shall see you in the next one